today on It's Time. This is the problem. Paganism was rampant in the days of Israel coming out of Egypt. It's rampant today. God's saying, don't adapt their practices in worshiping me. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through the book of Exodus. So turn there in your Bible and follow along with Pastor Mike. I've seen people that just blow through and don't work. And then all of a sudden they come down with some flu or whatever because their body's weak because they never took a day off of rest. And they're sick for a whole month. You know, it's interesting. It says here, six years you shall sow your land and on the seventh you'll rest. You know, Israel wasn't doing that because they had forsaken God. And so they had went and completely went outside of God, God's purpose. So they were held, they were hauled away cab- captive to Babylon for 70 years. God got his days of rest. He just took them all at once at the end. You can't violate God's principles once you know what they are because you know better. Now you say, well, then is it better, Mike, to just stay ignorant? No, because you're going to endure the consequences either way. At least now I know why. You know, I can say, well, I don't believe what the Bible says. I'm going to do my own thing. Well, then go ahead and do it. If you're a person, you're not a Christian, you're not interested in God, there's little heel marks all the way up to your chair where somebody drug you in here. They made me come. Live it your way. You gain the whole world, the Bible says. Lose your own soul. What does it profit you? So we have to look at, then what is it? God says, you take a day off. I will bless you. Now, if you're a paramedic, your day of rest might be a Tuesday or a Thursday or a Wednesday. I don't know. But there should be a day a week you just enjoy what God has given you. That's a good thing. Because you'd always feel like, well, you know, I'd really like to have, you know, my kids sit on my lap. But I really need to get out there and go work. And God says, just do it. Let me tell you something. When you die, and I did a year ago, when you die... You have a new perspective if you come back. And that is, you're a heartbeat away from nothing on this earth mattering. Now, if, if you're new here, I had a corona, I, I mean, a, a, a coronavirus blood clot to the heart. Um, never, you know, they, when I go, go in there, they have, oh, list all your medications. I said, aspirin a year. I don't, I've been pretty healthy. And it was really weird because from the time I went into the emergency room to the time I flatlined for two minutes, um, 15 minutes. The last thing on my mind on December 5th of last year was, I'm going to die this afternoon. But I did. 
Now, God was gracious and allowed the doctor to put the stent to be right there in the hospital so he didn't have to be on call. And meanwhile, well, your heart's all plugged up, your heart's dying, and all those kinds of things. But the thing is, when you really realize how fragile life is, you go, God, you're right. Take a day off and enjoy what God's given you. So what if the lawn doesn't get mowed? You have your family. You have the things that God's given you. You can say, Lord, thank you for what you've done. So he says, six days you shall do your work. Seventh day you rest. Your ox, your donkey may rest literally as well. And the son of your maidservant and the stranger may be refreshed. So it's a principle of God that you were designed by him to take a day off a week. Isn't that weird? And that God will make up the difference in your life. I like that because that's what he's promised he will do. And in all that I have said to you, be circumspect, make no mention of the name of other gods, nor let it be heard from your mouth. God is God, let him be Lord. Okay, now he talks about these different uh, feasts. Three times a year you shall uh, make a feast to me a year. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread, and uh, which is basically Passover. Now, again, this is um, uh, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. You should keep the feast of unleavened bread. You shall uh, eat unleavened bread seven days, as I commanded you at the time appointed of the month of Abib, and in it you, when you came out of Egypt, none shall appear before me empty. And the feast of harvest, it, which is actually first fruits um, of all your labors, and the feast of ingathering, which is at the end of the year when you have gathered the f- fruit of your labors in the field. Three times a year, you shall make all the males appear before the Lord. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, nor shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until morning. He says here, don't offer the blood of the sacrifice with leavened bread. You say, why? You know, it's really weird. It was Louis Pasteur. Yes, now for your history class of the day. Louis Pasteur looked under a microscope, saw the wee little beasties in leaven. It's bacteria. It's weird that the Bible identified leavened bread as something that had bacteria in it. And God says, don't offer bacteria with the blood. <laughs> God know that. God knows everything. You know, he says here that um, you shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, nor shall the fat of my sacrifice of my animal remain until morning. The first fruits of your land you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God, and you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Now, what, what it's really talking about here, this was a pagan practice, and they would do this, and then they would go out and sprinkle this concoction on the trees and on their field, and the gods would grant them a great harvest. And God says, don't be like the pagans. The Bible also says that, and by the way, the Jewish rabbis got all tweaked out about this, and to this day, they won't eat a cheeseburger. 
Because it just might be that the, the meat of the, uh, that's in the, in the cow that you're eating, the, the hamburger patty and the cheese could have been from the same family. Well, that's not really what he's talking about here. It's just that really that you don't want to be involved in pagan practices because the context of it, if you go back and look at it, you shall make no mention of the other gods, verse 13, about this. This is the problem. Paganism was rampant in the days of Israel coming out of Egypt. It's rampant today. God's saying, don't adapt their practices in worshiping me. Now, we come into kind of a Christmas story, if you will. Behold, I sent you an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place that I have prepared. Beware of him, obey his voice, do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. This is not just an angel, this is a picture type of Christ in the Old Testament. This is a theophany. Now we do find him through the Bible that Jesus was evident before his birth in Bethlehem. We remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego cast in the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar is looking at him. He's mad because they wouldn't worship his golden statue. And he throws him in there. And the Bible says, he says, I thought we put three in there, but there's a fourth in there like the son of man. Joshua, as an example, sees an angel, and he bows down to worship it, and the angel did not stop him. Anywhere it's just an angel, it stops him. They'll say, worship God. But here, we find that Joshua met a theophany of Christ. Jesus talked about it in John 8. He said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, saw it, and was glad. And the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And they picked up stones to stone him. Why? Because he was claiming to be God. Now, here's what's weird about this. Behold, I will send an angel before you to keep you in the way. You know, that's what Jesus does. He comes to you and me goes before us to keep us in his way. The Bible tells us that it's God's good pleasure to keep us from sinning. Do you realize that? He wants to protect you. And he says here, if you'll notice this, he says, and bring you into the place which I prepared. Do you realize when we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's basically what we're saying. Lord, you prepared a place for me. I just want you to lead me where you want me to go. That's what God does. Now, whether you're in the Old Testament or the New Testament, I've had people say, well, why was God such a wrath of iron brimstone in the Old Testament? And he's a God of love in the New Testament. God changed. No, God never changed. He's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. Why does it say that? Because the thing is, God loves you, Old Testament or New Testament. God's desire was to bring you and lead you into his path. Do you realize that God puts you on this earth to be in a certain place at a certain time every day? Not random happenstance. Oh, you know, I hope they figured out. Nope, that's not the way God works. God's heart is he would lead you. 
Now, here's the big question. How does he lead you? We've been over this a lot of times. Through circumstances, opening doors, closing doors, weird things that you see, like Moses seeing a burning bush and walks over and checks it out. Things that God does to get us where he wants us to be. But he says that God will lead us where he wants us to be. Someday in heaven, forever, and every day in Jesus today. He wants to lead us where he wants us to be. Those divine appointments are not random happenstance. They are divine appointments by God. You never know that person that you see, maybe in the store, over in a corner, crying. And that's not something you normally see every day. So you walk up to the person, you say, are you all right? And they look at you and they go, no, I'm not. What's the matter? Well, my, my mom just died of COVID. And they're hopeless. Hey, divine appointment. You're there to minister the gospel. Do you realize God has been working in that individual that's been crying for maybe years to have you go and happen to be there at that time to share the gospel with them? See, there's nothing a person that's experiencing death themselves. Maybe the doctor said you've got six months to live. Or whether it's somebody that they know that has just died. There's nothing a person that is in the valley of the shadow of death that needs more than hope. And hope from that is only in Jesus. The doctor, you can have all the money in the world, you'll die rich. But only Jesus offers that life. And so he says, beware of him. Obey his voice. Don't provoke him. And he will, because he won't pardon you of your transgressions, for my name is in him. You know, God won't pardon you unless you ask to be pardoned. You know, that's one of the things when we become born again. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just. Forgive us our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will... I will be an enemy to all your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Oh, now wait a minute. I'm beginning to get this here. God wants me to be good to my enemies. And because I love God, God will then deal with my enemies himself. Who's your daddy? Really, I'm serious. You can deal with your enemies. Or you can be good to your enemies and let God deal with your enemies. Oh, that's a lot better. Because you don't know who God may have called into his kingdom. See, I can go over and shoot them. Or stab them. Or I can just annihilate them with my mouth and slander them into into the stratosphere. But you never know that God may be calling that person into his kingdom. And it's because of your kindness that God then will bring them into his kingdom He deals with them because he wants to see. You know, it's interesting again. For God so loved the world. He doesn't say, for God so loved the good little boys and the good little girls. He said, he loved the world. Right, wrong, lost, found, whatever. He loves everybody. But if we would confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he says, He'll be your he'll be your defense. Verse twenty three. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the into the Amorite and the Hittites and the Prezites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the 
Termites, no, all these different names, sorry. Hivites, Jebusites, and I will cut them off. God says, I'll be your defense. Wow, so much better. Do you know if you're a real Christian here today, you have enemies? You just do. You need God's protection in your life. That only comes because you're his child. Now he says, be careful here, because he says, you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their custom, their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. In other words, you don't leave provision for that old to come back. That's one of the reasons why I believe when you're born again, and you say, well, I love Jesus now, but I'm keeping my bong in the closet, you know, just in case. Get rid of that stuff. Go through, do a house cleaning. If you got little golden statues, oh, they're so cute, I keep them in the backyard. Get rid of that stuff. You don't need that stuff. It represents another God than you. That's why I don't believe Christians should have little little trinkets of, of gods or Buddhas or whatever, because it represents a whole different philosophy, a whole different God, a whole different mindset. To be about your daddy's business is so much more important. He says, so you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you, No one shall suffer miscarriages or be barren in the land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I I believe that, friends. You know, you, 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 I I, I had a friend one time. He was a party dude. And he said, yeah, I'll come, I'll come up and share in your church. I said, that'd be great. He said, but I got a question for you. I go, what's that? What's your closest hospital? And I said, I don't know, seven miles. And he goes, okay, good, good. That's a good thing. I said, why? And he said, well, back in my party days, I did so much coke, I fried all the veins in my nose, and I get nosebleeds, and I can't stop them from bleeding. So I have to go, and they literally have to do something, cauterize them or something, to get them to stop. So we can violate what God's Word says, but unfortunately, we'll pay a terrible price for it. So he says, I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among the people, literally your enemies, who come to you, and I will make your enemies turn their backs on you. And I will send hornets before you, and you sh- which will drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, the Hittites before you. And I will, I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate, and the beasts of the field come and, and be too numerous for you. Now this is an important principle of God. Little by little, I will drive them from you, from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. Friends, a little by little. God's schedule is not ours. I see all these people saying, well, you just command God. God, I command you. I'm using my magic faith words. No, we don't do that. God's, it's on God's schedule. We pray, we petition God, and let him do the work. So much better, because God knows what is needed to do. Well, God, I want you to deal with that person right now. Well, you don't know that God might be dealing with that person that come into his kingdom, and he ain't done roasting them yet. Because he does do that, you know. When they find no satisfaction in the world, and they still have an acquaintance with you, 
that God would use you to bring them into the, into the kingdom. So he says, little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased and you will inherit the land. And I will set you your bounds from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the desert to the river. Now, this is probably the Euphrates River. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out from before you. This yet has never happened. It will happen, I believe, during the millennium. But it has happened. The closest they ever got was under the reign of King David. But we we find they never fully possessed what God had given them. Now, this is the way it can be for you. We can read all the promises of God, but if we don't want to go in and take those promises that God has given us, if we don't want to do what God says, we'll never really be what God wants us to be. In other words, God says, you serve me, you be kind to your enemies, I'll deal with your enemies, and I'll take care of you. Okay, God, that sounds good. That is the provision. But do I want to live in that, or do I want to play games someplace else? I believe that's so important. So he says, you shall make no covenant with them, with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you Sin against me, for you shall serve their gods. It will surely be a snare to you. In other words, bad company corrupts good manners. And you've got to be careful the company you keep. This morning, maybe you've been keeping the wrong company. Maybe you've been trying to do it yourself. Maybe you've been hitting overdrive and you, you know you're burning out. I want to encourage you, today's your day. The Bible says, if we'll come to him, confess our sins to him. This is why Jesus died on the cross. He did something for you and me we could never do in ourselves. Because God loves you. And he wants to repair you. Friends, I don't know, but this morning as we have communion, and you hold the cup in your hand which reminds you of Jesus, somebody died for you. They loved you that much. The bread, the Bible says, Peter says, by his stripes we are healed. You, you need to be healed here today. You might say, well, Mike, I feel fine. No, I'm not talking about that. Your heart, your ability to love, your ability to be loved, your memories, those dreams, those things that haunt you, you need to be healed. You know, I was raised in church, and for a good percentage of, of my life, I had communion, and I truly didn't understand what it was about. I didn't understand what the bread was. It's so you can be healed. You need to be healed this morning. You need to have that. Maybe you do need a physical touch in your body. When you hold that, when you see that bread, that wafer, that represents Jesus' body that was broken for you. The Corinthian church in chapter 11 had changed communion into a drunken party. And Paul says, uh, for this reason, many are sick and dead among you because you fail to Partake of communion in a worthy fashion. It's not that I'll ever be worthy for communion. But when you view communion as some kind of a goofy Christian ritual that people do, no wonder people are sick and dead among you, he says. So how much more is it then when we together understand the great things that God has done for us? This morning, if you're not a Christian, communion is not, doesn't mean anything. But if you are a Christian, it's a source of you connecting with God, God healing you and touching you. Friends, we need that. Your memories of the past, 
You're comparing things of the past to the present. Oh, the old days were so much better. You need to be healed. Those things will haunt you and keep you from going into what God wants you to do because the the past has got such a hook in your heart. God wants to break that so that you can be a new person in him every day. So maybe some of those things you've been holding on to, those grudges, those angers, and especially at this time of the year where it is a time where you can, if the Bible says this is the way we're supposed to be to our enemies, how much more should it be towards our our loved ones and our family and our friends? There's some families who don't even talk to each other. But this can be healing for you. So as you hold that bread in your hand this morning, think about what you would like God to heal you of. He will. And the cup represents, as Jesus said, the new covenant, the new way that we're found justified. Not by our works, but what God did for us. We put on his righteousness. If you've never prayed and accepted Christ, let's pray, get right with God, and then we'll have communion. And we'll see what God will do in every one of our lives in Jesus' name. If you need to receive Christ, pray Ask God in your heart right now as we pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And his blood covered my sins. So I repent of the foolish way I've lived. And from this day forward, I want to live for you. So fill me with your Holy Spirit. I believe Jesus rose from the grave to give me life. And Lord, write my name now in your book of life that I can live with you forever. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to love you more. Love my fellow man more. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.